Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we get in the Word of God, talk about it. Today we want to relate it to a very, uh, very particular current event that's happened, and that is this terrible, terrible, tragic hurricane down in Florida, Hurricane Ian, that has struck uh, uh, Florida and I believe now is heading into the Carolinas, and we hope and do pray for the safety of people there. But How do you think about these things from a biblical perspective? And it's times like this that lots of people ask, why did God allow this? Why didn't God stop it? Indeed, whenever we see a natural disaster of of this nature, a hurricane, an earthquake, a famine, things of this nature, or when we see a man-made disaster, mass shooting, uh, corruption, all kinds of sinful behavior in that case that is so hurtful, so damaging, so painful. We often ask, well, why didn't God stop it? These skeptics on campus would often ask me, Tom, if you saw something like this happen, would you try and intervene and stop it? And of course, I would. I mean, if I could stop something great suffering, I would do that. And they say, well, then why doesn't God? And indeed, the really bad skeptics will say, I'm more compassionate with God. They obviously don't know God. But what is the thinking behind it? Now, I want to start by saying that when you encounter someone who's gone through a tragic problem, the first solution, the first thing you shouldn't, you shouldn't bring up the theology of it right off the bat. I really do believe the first thing we do is comfort them, understand them, uh, show them, show them love, show them compassion, show them that we care, and that will open the door. Often people who are traumatized aren't into theology or philosophy or or talking about the bigger issue, which is what I want to address today. But I start by saying it's first most important to show just some Christian compassion to a person who's gone through a difficult time of suffering, be it a hurricane, be it a a man-made problem. But then the second thing is, though, let's do talk about why doesn't God stop? What's the theology behind this? How can a loving God allow such things to occur as the destruction and devastation we've seen, and dare I say, the destruction and devastation that goes on nearly every day that doesn't make the news, that's not on the TV, that's not on the internet, that goes on, whether it's it's parts of the world that don't have the media that we have, or even whether it's smaller things in your own home, in your own family, in your own life, the people dying of fentanyl, fentanyl, the people dying drugs, the people dying of, of crime, uh, the people who are getting ripped off of it. They've saved so long, people rip them off. Why doesn't God stop any of this? And I want to focus today on natural disasters, but there's things to be learned about any problem. So let's start with a couple important things that as Christians, we've got to understand about our worldview. Number one, God created the world good. Genesis one thirty one. then God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. God had created a world, there was no death, there was no disease. I, I believe there were no natural disasters. I believe there was, there was nothing, uh, it was a paradise. Everything was wonderful. There was communion between God and man, between the man and his wife. They didn't even argue with one another, I don't think. There was communion, there was unity, there was love, it was all very good. But something happened. They, they ate of the forbidden fruit, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened, 
They were no longer innocent. They had disobeyed God. Rebellion had entered into the world. We call it the fall. And the fall brought consequences. My friends, there are always consequences to disobeying God. That's the first point. God made the world good, first point. Second point, that we disobeyed God, and there are always consequences to disobeying God. Always. Now, sometimes it's really evident, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you disobey God, and bam, right like that, there's a consequence. Other times, it's not for quite some time later until the consequences show up. But here, what we see is that God brought a judgment, and he brought a judgment on the man, he brought a judgment on the woman, but he also brought a judgment upon the creation. Why? Because Adam was to have dominion over the creation, and so there was a consequence on the world that got, that Adam was to rule, and the consequence now was it was thrown out of kilter. Thorns and thistles would come out of that ground that was supposed to have yielded fruit. By the sweat of the brow, he'd work. And now the the whole of creation was thrown topsy-turvy. Now, there's an interesting thing that—it's interesting to think, well, wasn't God a little harsh? I mean, all they did was eat some apple. No, no, no. Understand, what they did was they rebelled against God. Big or little, big or little, rebellion against God is wrong. Rebellion against God brings consequences. Some people think, well, just a little tiny thing. I'm sure Adam and Eve had no idea the consequences of their rebellion against God. It's kind of like dropping a pebble in a pond. You know, at first there's just this little ring, but it keeps going further and further and further and further. And the consequences of our rebellion or sin against God gets bigger and bigger and affects more and more and more. But it's important also to realize this that the pain that's caused by by the curse by the God cursed the earth because of the fall because of the rebellion the pain it's not too severe the pain rather the pain tells us there's something wrong that's important to understand when when we see something like a death a disease someone gets cancer or a big thing like we're seeing talking about today, a hurricane or some other natural disaster, one thing we ought to do is realize there's something wrong. There's something wrong in our world. Pain is an indicator there's something wrong. If you've got pain, if you've got pain in your tooth or pain in your back or pain in your little finger or something, it tells you there's something wrong. Something's out of whack or there's an infection or something. You need to address it. Pain is is not something that's that should, if everything's right, you shouldn't have pain. Pain tells us there's something wrong. Now, when there's something wrong and when there's pain, a lot of people will curse God. They'll turn on God. They'll blame God. This is the typical human reaction because we're part of the rebellion. And so rather than we curse God, but what should we do? We should repent and turn to God. We should seek God. Indeed, an, uh, an event like we're seeing with this hurricane, this ought to cause us to seek God. What do we typically do? Even as Christians, we pray for their safety, their comfort, their, their survival, their rebuilding. These are all fine pr- prayers to pray. But let me tell you, our number one prayer for Florida or Carolinas or for America or if you, have, if, if you know someone who's gone through a, a difficult time, 
like I said earlier, we comfort them, we support them, we encourage them, but our number one prayer and our number one hope would be that they would realize there's something wrong and they would seek God. They turn to God. If they're not yet saved, they turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. If they are saved and are already a child of God, they say, God, there's something wrong and there's something you more that I should be doing in terms of my walk with you, my relationship with you. Does this reminder that that life, you know, a week ago in Florida, life was for so many people was just fine and comfortable and everything just going okay. But suddenly this disruptive event, now everything's changed. You know, their house is not there. Their wa- water may not be there. Their, their, the, everything's changed. Their ability to get food, law and order, all kinds of things are disrupted. And these are times when we should say, when more than anything, we should seek God. God, this tragedy gets my attention. It shakes me out of my comfort zone. It shakes me out of the way I'm living my life, and it causes me to look at bigger things. Number one bigger thing, am I right with you? Am I really saved? Am I? Do I know Jesus Christ, and am I living my life the way you want me to? That's what we ought to be doing. That's the first step. Again, this does not mean, as I said earlier, you know, you found someone in a tragedy, and the first words out of your mouth is, you need to repent. No, I'm not suggesting that. We comfort, we show human compassion and love like God would, but we see the bigger picture. It shakes us out of our comfort and reminds us, am I right with God? Am I right with God? That's what we ought to do. Like I said, unfortunately, many people, they turn and they blame God. They shake their fist at God. They, why didn't God stop this? And when someone really presses me, why didn't God stop it? And assuming they're not in the middle of the tragedy right then themselves, they say, where was God? And I say, well, according to, with your own free will, I asked him, have you been telling God you want him involved in your life or not? You see, often it's during a time of tragedy that people think of God in positive or negative terms. But often in times of comfort, and when everything's going well, they're not thinking about God. They're not interested in God. And then when the tragedy comes, some will blame God. And I'd simply ask, when everything was going well, were you asking God to be a part of your life? Were you asking God's protection? Were you asking to be in the center of God's will? Or do you just want God to come to your aid when things go wrong? You see the problem? Now, he's willing to come to our aid when things go wrong. As a matter of fact, I do think that's God allows these things to remind us it's not everything's not as it ought to be. The world's messed up. There's a curse. We need salvation. And that's what we ought to be thinking when we see something like this. But then there's another question people ask. Are the people of Florida worse sinners than everybody else? Or back when we had Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans, and that was an easy one to say, New Orleans, you know, such a sinful city. Are they worse than everybody else? Well, then people say, well, how come Las Vegas didn't get hit by it? That's Sin City, and they've never had a flood out there, I don't think. We ask these questions. I don't think it's the right question. Look at what look at what Jesus said. There'd been a, a slaying of certain Galileans. Herod had slain some of them, and Jesus asked, Do you suppose, he asked his followers, Do you suppose all those Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That was Jesus' response. There are times when a, a, a group of people, there's a tragedy that strikes, 
And it and sometimes people are quick to judge and say, were they worse sinners? Were they doing something bad? I remember once there was an, uh, an earthquake out in Northridge, California, and a big event in my life because God used it to redirect my the course of my life way back in 1994. But but evidently that was like the porn capital, uh, uh, online porn capital way back in those early days, and people were saying, "Boy, it struck that." Well, uh, maybe. I'm not quick to say that 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 the people who are struck by a natural disaster are worse sinners, even when you have one like that that's so that looks like it's low hanging fruit to say they were really bad people, because Jesus said, "Unless you repent, you'll perish too." Unless you repent, you'll perish too. We'll all face God someday. We'll all have the tragedy of death. It might be, it might be in a major event like a, a natural disaster where a lot of people die. It might be suffering alone at home in my house with hardly anyone around me, but we're all going to die. We're all going to face the same judgment, shall we say, the same tragedy, the curse of death. And Jesus says, if you're not ready, you'll also perish. All this reminds us, again, of our free will. We have a free will. When things come into our life, we can curse God or bless God. We can turn away from God or we can turn to God. We can allow the tragedy to become a wedge that, that drives a wedge between us and God, or we can let the pressure be on the other side and it drives and pushes us to God, if you, if you can see my illustration there. I pray you'll be like that. Let's spend a moment here and pray for the people of Florida and Carolinas and all of us and uh, uh, as, uh, along the lines of what we've said here, okay? Father in heaven, we come to you today, and we do cry out to you, and we pray for the people who are suffering so much from this tragedy that's been on our television screens, and we've seen it so clearly, so destructive. It reminds us, Lord, that something is really wrong. And I pray for the people who are really going through it right this minute and suffering. Where's their food or water or shelter going to come from? We do ask you to comfort them. We do ask you to raise up volunteers to help. We do pray that this would be a time for, for good people and Christian people to shine as they care for and, and help others to recover and serve. But we also pray, Father, for those in the midst of this suffering and for all of us, it would be a reminder to seek you to ask, Lord, am I saved? Am I really a Christian? Am I right with God? It reminds us, Lord, one day we will die. Indeed, most people survived this, this hurricane. Very, most people have survived it, Lord. I don't know how many have died, but most survived. But even all of us will one day face you. And unless we repent, we'll all likewise perish. So I pray, Father, this events like this would be a reminder that we be right with you, that our faith be in Jesus Christ, that we fled to you. You're the rock in that storm. You're the, the rock we can build our life upon. And I pray, believer and unbeliever alike, that we would all be right with you, building our life in obedience to Jesus Christ, in faith in Jesus Christ, that our house would be on the rock, that when the winds come and the waves come and the floods come and the storms come, we would stand firm and our house would stand firm because it's built upon the rock of a solid, obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray this for our nation. We pray this for people around the world, individuals to be right, families to be right, churches to be right with you. Indeed, nations to come under your submission, humbly seeking you. We love you today. We pray that this day we would walk in the awareness of God, the fear of the Lord, and the love of God. 
that we'd live this day and how we treat others, how we, our attitudes and everything about us would be a reminder that our God is alive. One day we'll stand before you. We'll give an account of our life and an awareness, Lord, that you surround us and bless us. And so might we be a blessing unto others as well. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today. We get in the Word of God here every day. I don't know if this is your first time. I hope you come back and join us. Make a commitment to do so. Don't just kind of get in the Word or, or seek God when you kind of feel like it. See, that's the point of what we talked about today. Sometimes people only seek God when there's a tragedy. True godly men and women are seeking God always. They realize they don't have to, they don't have to see the pain and tragedy around us to realize that we need to be right with God. So I hope you'll join us. Subscribe, hit the notify button, like the video, share this with your friends, leave a comment below. I'd like to know who you are. And together we're building a community of faithful Christians. Those who come here every day, I know you're good soil. I sow the word of God on good soil. I know it's taking root. You're becoming mighty men and women of God. And I thank you. I love you guys. Bless you in the name of the Lord. So until we see see you tomorrow, might God strengthen you, give you his peace. No matter what storms are going on around you, might you find peace in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name, I love you. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.